Can you remember when you were captured by his grace for the very first time? I, 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 I love this particular video, but I think if we uh, were to sit each and every one of you down, you could say this is who I was and this is who I've become. This is where Jesus found me. I certainly didn't find him. He found me in this broken, desolate place. He found me, as the song says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, I think it's even deeper than that. I think many of us, for many of us, me included, I, I think we could say I once was a lost cause, but now I'm found. Think about that where where you were and think about where where the Lord has brought you from I I think sometimes in the church uh, something that's that's uh, we do from time to time is we forget who we were we forget where we were we forget what we were going through we forget the the that we were once liars or alcoholics or manipulators or whatever you want to say we forget where we were and and now we tend to look at other people and say mm, i'm not sure about that person you know we walk through the the same doors and they walk through the same doors we do but for some reason because we've been captured by his amazing grace now we somehow feel like we're better than they, than they right and we're like well not sure if the blood of Christ can cleanse that person if you only knew what they'd done if you only knew where they'd been i want to tell you today i want to talk about that lost cause I want to talk about that lost cause, and uh, I've talked to many uh, mothers as a, as a youth pastor for the last 20-some-odd years. I've talked to a lot, a lot of moms and dads who thought their kids were lost causes. But in the same respect, I've talked to a lot of teenagers that thought their fathers were lost causes, yeah? I want to tell you that this, uh, this morning, I, I, as we enter this Christmas season, you know, we look at that nativity scene. We look at the, the baby Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph. We see the shepherds who were uh, told to go celebrate by all of heaven. Hey, this is important. Go and celebrate this. They weren't just celebrating a baby in a manger. Babies were born every day. But they were celebrating the fact that he was Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. They were celebrating the fact that he was that instrument of grace that God the father was going to use to reconcile you and I for all of eternity to our to our God John chapter 10 verse 10 says this the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy but I this is Jesus he said I came that they may have life and have it abundantly I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I think oftentimes we tend to camp out on that first part of the scripture. The thief has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we, we camp out there because we're like, man, I've had a bad day. I've had a bad week. I've had a bad month. I've had some bad years. The devil's attacking me. I, it's just not, you know, it's just not good. I can't, you know, get out of this circumstance. I can't get out of this situation. Uh, the devil's after me. And now again, the scripture does say that the thief, he has one job. That's to steal from you to kill you, and to destroy you and your family. But Jesus said, but I have come. Let's jump to the promise. Don't just camp out 
in the doldrums. Don't just camp out in the attack. Don't just stay where it's like, I have no hope. I have no future. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the fullest. I want to tell you what that word abundantly doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus came to give you a life that's the most comfortable or the easiest. And I'm sad about that sometimes because I love recliners. There's nothing better in life than to say, I'm going to sit back and watch the Georgia Bulldogs and you just reach down. Everybody know, pull the handle. Good, good. This is so nice. But Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you an abundant life and a comfortable life or an easy life. See, if that's what we expect, it takes away the power of his promise. He said, I'm going to give you abundant life regardless of what you're going through. Regardless of the attacks that come, I'm going to give you an abundant life. Here's what that means. I'm going to give you an abundant life, a life in large quantities. I like that. I can just carry around the buckets and baskets of life, right? This is all for me, this hope, this joy, this peace, this patience. I'm carrying around large quantities of life. I'm carrying around plentiful life. I'm carrying around an extreme life, exceedingly, exceptionally, especially. I'm carrying around an extraordinary life surpassing beyond everything that I could hope for or imagine. You see, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power, his power, that is at work within us. The NIV says it this way, now to him, now to Jesus, now to that baby who was born in a manger, who died on a cross and rose again, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Another translation says he will do exceedingly abundantly more. Listen, I want to tell you that, that Jesus, whatever you can imagine for you to accomplish and do and be, he dreams of more for you. He said, I'll do exceedingly more than you can even imagine. See, that doesn't sound like he's called us to be a lost cause. That sounds like anything we can imagine, he can imagine more. But if he calls you to an extraordinary, abundant life, what he's calling you away from is an ordinary life. Now, what does that mean? We're going to go on to find out what that means. But if he's calling you to extraordinary, he's calling you to leave behind ordinary. See, we're not built for comfort. We're not uh, called to coast. We are called and made to be the answer to Jesus's only prayer request. Oh, I love this. I love this. I'm going to say it one more time. We're not We're not called for comfort. We're not called to coast. But we are called and made. Our only purpose is to be the answer to Jesus' 
only prayer request. And here it is, Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Jesus said, pray earnestly to the Lord that the harvest, uh, excuse me, pray, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. He said pray earnestly, pray seriously, pray solemnly, pray soberly, pray sincerely, intently, resolutely, firmly, ardently, fervently, warmly, eagerly, zealously. He said pray hard that the Lord would send out harvesters into the harvest field, but don't just pray. Here I am. Send me. Don't just pray hard. Be the answer. I will be a harvester. I will be a worker. See, not only does Jesus say, I've come to give you life to the full. I've come to give you an abundant life. He shows you what it looks like. And then he shows you what you get to do when you have an abundant life. You get to be God's plan A to reach your world and there is no plan B. He says, I've come to give you a full life, a life abundantly. I've come, I've called you out of who you were and where you were and now you can go into all of your world. You say, well, I could never go to China. Can you go to Berea? I could never go to, to, to Africa. Can you go to Cherrydale, right? I can never go here. Can you go to Main Street? Can you go to your workplace? Can you go to your high school? Can you go to your homeschool co-op? Can you go to your mother's house, your father's house your son's house go he says pray that the lord of the harvest would send forth harvesters lord i want to be the answer to your only prayer request i can just picture mary and joseph on the day that jesus was born and we sing all the songs about it silent night i bet not Holy night. It stinks in here. But I could see Mary and Joseph looking down at that baby, maybe picking up that baby. And Joseph, who was his earthly father, right? I could see Joseph looking at Jesus and say, uh, so you're the one that's going to do exceedingly more than I could ever hope for, dream of, or imagine. And though the angels foretold and told them who he was and what he was going to do, I can guarantee you this, he did much more than they ever dreamed of. See, he split time in two, and he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, he resurrected, and then after he resurrected, and he spent a, a, a number of days, about 40 days, uh, with, with his disciples and others, the Bible says he showed himself and made himself known to about 500 people. He gathered his disciples and followers, and he said this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of 
the age. See, he said, I, you know, he's, I didn't just come to be a baby. I didn't just come to celebrate Easter I did, or Christmas. And I didn't just come to celebrate Easter. But because of that resurrection, because of that life, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in me. And he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus gives a picture of a full life. And then he gives us, once you have this full life in me, here is your purpose. Here's the picture of full life. Now here's what you get to do behind door number one, your purpose, go into all the world. Go into all your world. It sounds familiar, I think. If you've been around Upcountry Church any length of time, you've heard Pastor Rob on a, on a weekly basis, what is our purpose? What is our purpose? Making disciples, reaching the lost. Making disciples, reaching the lost. There's been a number of people who have asked us, how do you do that at Upcountry Church? Listen, there's 31 some odd ministries that we have that, that, that are part of, of that. But I want to tell you the biggest way and the biggest thing and the, uh, the, the biggest way we do that as up, at Upcountry Church is through you going into your world and reaching people. Making disciples, reaching the lost. See, around this time of year, around this Christmas season, and it is my favorite season. I love it. I love it. Uh, every aspect of it. I love going to my parents' house. My mom is so excited about Christmas, and I know she's watching right now. She, when it's Christmas season, she just giggles and hums. <laughs> she's excited. She loves it. The family's coming home. She loves giving gifts. It's awesome because I like receiving but around this time, it would become really easy for us again to just look back at that manger, look back at that nativity and say, well, you know, that's awesome, but see, that's not the full story. Oftentimes we say, well, there was the beginning. Jesus came. Jesus came to earth. Jesus put, put you know, uh, put uh, his, his throne aside and came down to, the, uh, down to earth, but that's not the beginning. See, Jesus didn't start as the son of a carpenter. Jesus started as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was seated on a high holy place. He was clothed in royalty and majesty and glory, but he saw fit to wrap himself in humanity and wrap himself in flesh and live a broken life just like you and I. See, he lived a broken life so that he could understand when our life seemingly was in pieces. I've been there, I've done that, you could say. See, he, he, he lived a, a, a life uh, that was not a lost cause, but his life was a cause for the lost. His life was a cause for you and me. He looked like us, but he didn't live like us. So that he could redeem us and reconcile us to God the Father for all of eternity. He came as the Son of God, and he became a friend of sinners. He came as the Son of God, and, and if you, again, we've been in, you've been in church, you've heard that term, Jesus, friend of sinners. There's a lot of songs that talk about that, Jesus, friend of sinners, and, 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 but that was the problem. See, that was the issue. He was born as the Messiah, and he lived, and as he grew, he began to be a friend of sinners. Back then, people would say, how can people say he's the Messiah? Look at who he's hanging out with. 
How can he be claimed to be the son of God? The son of God would never touch that person. Luke chapter 15 verse 1 says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I love that. It's like they begin to mutter. Now, not loud enough for anybody to hear. But, you know, they kind of side mouth. You know what I'm talking about? It's like if he was really the son of God, he wouldn't be hanging out with Matthew over there. He certainly wouldn't be sitting next to Joanne. Whatever. Fill in the blank on the name. It doesn't matter. So it's like... uh, He he would not be here if he was the son of God. But Jesus understood, though he might not have heard their muttering, their side-mouthing, he understood their heart and he had something to teach them that day. Let's look at who was at the dinner party. It was probably a pretty awkward dinner party. So it says the tax collectors were there. Now some of you might be thinking, that's really strange. It's like, can you imagine? You're cooking your chicken, your lamb, your turkey, whatever. You're cooking your food and uh, the IRS is here and we want half your food. No, that's not what it was. That's not how it worked. The IRS was not there. The tax collectors were there. And if you don't know this, the tax collectors in that time, they were Jewish men that were taking the taxes and they worked. So they were, they were Jewish men and they worked for the Roman Empire. Their job was to take taxes from their brothers, take taxes from their, their, their sisters, take taxes from their people and take it to the Roman Empire government but the way they made their money was they took what they were supposed to take and then they took more for themselves and so these tax collectors were the most hated people in all of of, of the Jewish culture that's why it says Jesus was with tax collectors and sinners it was like he was with these bums and those bad people that's what they were saying They hated tax collectors. And so the tax collectors were there, other sinners that maybe committed every sin that sinners commit, because sinners sin. We've all been there, haven't we? So tax collectors and sinners were there, and then Pharisees were there. These Pharisees were the religious people that every single day of their life they would try to keep every law, making sure they abided by and everybody else abided by these certain laws that came from God. But what the Pharisees did is they also added extra laws. You can't look like that, dress like that, talk like that, walk like that. Nope, don't wear that. Nope, not here. You know, not today. Don't walk too far. Don't walk too slow. Don't walk too fast. Right? They were putting all these uh, laws on people that they themselves didn't even live by. And so Jesus was hanging out with sinners and the Pharisees were saying, Why does he hang out with these people? They're nothing but a lost cause. These people can never be holy enough, righteous enough, good enough, smart enough, whatever the case may be. They are a lost cause. I'm going to give you three points for the remainder of this message, three easy, quick points. And I'm going to give you Jesus' response 
in this story. The first point is this. You have to care to count. You have to care to count. So here we go. I love Jesus' response. Luke chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. Jesus, knowing the hearts of the Pharisees, said, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? See, we hear that parable and we think, oh yeah, have you heard that parable before? Parable of the 99 sheep, the one sheep gets away. We've heard that parable and we, we listen to that parable and we're thinking, yeah, that would have been me. I would have left the 99, I would have went after the one. You lying. Because see, in our American culture, it's like, we're going to cover, we're going to, you know, we're going to write that one off as a loss, right? We're going we're to cover our, our losses. That, we still have 99, right? We're still good. We're still going to break, break, we're still going to make money. We're still, it's going to be fine. We, we write off the one. But see, uh, 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 one of the reasons why I look at that story, I, I want to know more about the sheep. I want to know more about the sheep. Did the sheep go off on his own? Was the sheep taken by a wolf? Well, you know, did I say that right? Wolf? I don't know how to say the word wolf. Wolf, wolf. I don't know. Was he taken by something or, or did he get lost by himself? See, one of the things that's tough for me is like we don't know the, the backstory. Did he have a name? So to help me out today, I'm going to name the sheep. His name was Larry. Larry the lamb, Mary had a little lamb, she named him Larry. Mary the lamb was married to Barry the lamb, they had Larry the lamb. So Larry was one of the 100 sheep and somehow he gets lost. And so again, do we want to know, was it his fault? Because see, that's how we judge people in the church. That person's not really living the way I think they should live. Is it his fault? Was it his parents' fault? Or did he choose to go out and do this and do that? Did he choose to go out and keep on sinning? And so the, we want to know, was Larry a good sheep? Or was Larry bad? I waited all morning. Aiden, all morning I waited. I'm like, I'm going to hit him with the bad. And they're going to hate themselves for laughing. But we do, we want to know, was he, was it his fault that he's lost? See, because we want to know, because we want to, again, we want to know how to judge Larry. Again, in the church, we judge people within the church and outside of the church. And it, sometimes we think it's us, up to us to say, oh, that person's just a lost cause. There's no way that that person can come to Christ. They've went too far. They've done too much. You ever known anybody like that? But see, we need to care to count. We need to care to make sure that person knows that they count because, see, a shepherd cares different. That shepherd went after the one and left the 99 because that was his sheep. That was his. He knew Larry. <laughs> 
So he went after the sheep because he cares different, different, so he counts different. So today, here in the TR campus, listen, are, are, are there people here today that would say, man, I've got, I've got, I've got friends that uh, I've got, you know, Larry's in my life that, I, man, I wish I knew where they were today because they need to know that they count today. Listen, Solutions Campus, man, I, was wish, I wish I was with you today. Think about the people in your life that counted you out and then think about the people in your life that picked you up and counted you and say, come with me, I'm going to take you to the good shepherd. Come on, so, so I want to ask, we've got to care to count. Jesus is the good shepherd and he's counting you today. He's searching for you. He's calling your name. He, 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 he's not counting you because of what you did. He's not counting you based on who you are. He's counting you because you are his. You belong to him. You're not your worst mistake. You're not your worst day. You're not what other people have called you. You're not a lost cause. Because the good shepherd is saying, I am coming to find you. You're a child of God. You belong to him. And that's why he's looking for you. That's why he's searching for you. Listen, you might see me here today and say, oh, there's a, he's a pastor. And he gets to talk on the microphone and sing sometimes. He tries to tell jokes. He's not really funny. But listen, I want to tell you what I see when I look in the mirror. I see the same person that some people more times than I can count have looked me in the eye and say, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. I tell them the dreams that I have that, that I feel like the Lord has given me and they say maybe you just don't have what it takes. And let me just tell you, those aren't people, those are pastors. Those are people that I believed in. Those are people that I served. Not our pastor. Don't, don't get mad at Rob. But those are pastors that I don't know, Jason. You, you may just not have what it takes. And so we've got to Care to count. The second thing is we've got to chase to connect. Chase to connect. In verse 4 of Luke 15, Jesus is still talking to the Pharisees and the tax collectors and the sinners, and he says, doesn't the shepherd leave the 99 in open country and go after it, go after that lost sheep until he finds it? So he's looking for that thing. He's looking for that sheep. He's looking for that friend, that lost person. Listen, I want to ask you today, where is that friend that you have that you know is lost today? Where is he? Where is she? Where is that son or daughter today? Because sometimes we have to chase them. We have an abundant life, but it doesn't feel good some, sometimes having to chase those people who are lost. Where is that Larry in your life today? It's time to begin the search party. It's time to find those lost people, those lost Larrys, because then third, we choose to celebrate. We choose to celebrate. You see, if we do all of the work 
of reaching people and discipling people, but we never throw the party. We're, we're, we're missing out missing out on fully participating in what heaven does when a lost person comes home. I'm going to say it again. If we do all the work but we never stop to celebrate, we're missing out on what heaven does. Luke 15, verse 5, Jesus says, And when he found the sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who never need repentance. Let's think about that shepherd. We followed him through the whole story. Comes out to the field, he counts, he, he did, his, they probably counted every hour or more. He got to 99 and he said, where's Larry? The Bible said he leaves everybody else in open country and he goes out. Who knows how long he had to search. If he was anything like the father of the prodigal, it was a long time. But he found the sheep and maybe it had gotten caught in a ditch or a crevice and you know the, the sheep was going to die there the good shepherd goes and he puts the, the sheep on his shoulders most theologians would tell you in that time if a sheep would go get away they would, they would, they would injure the foot, the leg it was like I want you to know I don't, I, you don't need to struggle, you don't need to fight you don't need to run away, this is a reminder And we might look at that as harsh, but to understand how caring it really is because they don't want to lose that sheep again. So that shepherd goes and he finds the sheep. He puts it on his shoulders. He comes back to his town. The Bible says, he's like, Hey, I found Larry. He's running, knocking on doors, saying, come celebrate with me because I had a lost sheep and now he's home. Come celebrate with me. Let's throw a party. We're not having lamb. Come celebrate with me. I found Larry. Listen, I want to tell you, in the same way, all of heaven rejoices when you bring someone to this place. They give their heart and life to the Lord or you lead them to the Lord at work, at home. Where the, the Jesus is like, hey, Larry's been found. Let's celebrate. But see, many of us are not like the good shepherd. We're not searching. We're not looking. We're coasting. We're passing people in our life and they're like, eh, it's a lost cause. It's just a lost cause. People were asked, more than a thousand people were asked this question. If someone invited you, if a friend invited you to church, would you go to church? 
So a lost person, if a friend invited you to church, would you go to church? 82% of those people said, yes, I would go to church. Now, they didn't say on the first try. Sometimes you have to ask and ask and ask and knock and knock and knock. 82%. But only 2% of people in the church actively invite people to church. Only 2% of people. Now, again, this is, I understand that just inviting someone to church is not necessarily sharing your faith. I know that. But here, we're just using this as an example. 2% of people are actively looking and searching. 98% of you and I, we're not looking, we're not searching. We're looking forward to coming back to church so that we feel that abundant life. But Jesus has called us to more. Jesus has called us to more. Listen, I want you to know I don't say this in judgment. I say this knowing I've been a youth pastor for 20 some odd years and there are more students that I can count that just drifted into our youth uh, churches and then drifted out. And I never chased. Some of you might say, but Jason, I don't, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know, I don't know enough. I, I don't know enough theology. I don't care. And I don't say I don't care as being mean to you. You don't have to know what you think you have to know. And this is how I know. When my little daughter right here, she's going to be 19 in a few days. She's my firstborn daughter. When she was born, it was back before cell phones, but I had a wallet full of pictures of that little girl. And if people wanted to see him or if they didn't, let me show you my picture of my baby Jay. Here's Jalen. This is my baby Jay. She's so amazing. She's so incredible. And I'm flipping through the pictures. I didn't know how to be a dad. But I know how to share how she impacted me. You may not know how to preach or be an evangelist, but show your picture. What has Jesus done for you? Where did he pull you from? Show the picture. Show it. Show it. They don't want to see it. I don't care. Show the picture of what Jesus has done for you. And I tell you, when you do that, the good shepherd takes over. Scripture says that he draws them by his spirit. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around or moving around in this moment,